Original content. Content. Compelling discussions. Audio on demand. This is a Podcast 225 production. Synonyms of the word change. change. Alter. Make different. Become different. Adjust. And every day, we evolve. We adapt. We change. And this is where we talk about it. This is The Clay Young Show. Thanks, Neil. Welcome to an abbreviated edition of The Clay Young Show here at podcast225.com, iTunes, also available on the iHeart app, and you can hear it on weekends in the Baton Rouge area on Talk 107.3. Well, I waited until Friday to post episode 259 because there was a presidential debate that was going to happen this week. And as I record this in the podcast 225 studio right now, the debate was last evening and it was something. So there were supposed to be three of these. The middle one was decided by the debate committee to be a virtual debate. The president decided not to participate in that. So it went away. It basically became a conversation with vice president Biden And this third one came along, which is consequential. Generally, how these debates often run in previous history, according to my recollection, is the first debate is generally hard on the incumbent because the incumbent for the first time is on equal footing with what you might call an adversary. And so they generally don't react well to it. I could remember recent ones, President Obama and Mitt Romney and George H, uh, George W. Bush, rather, with John Kerry in recent time. You know, it's it's interesting to see how that played out. And tradition sometimes changes, especially when you are in the political era we're in right now. Now, I thought in debate number one, the moderator was terrible. Chris Wallace was awful. He made too much of that about him, and he inserted himself into back and forth between the two candidates. He was just awful, whining the whole time, and it's just, ah, I hope he never does another debate. Conversely to that, though, the moderator for this recent debate, Kristen Welker, was phenomenal. She just did a great job. She co-hosts the NBC weekend show and is a White House correspondent. She grew up in Philly. She's a graduate of Harvard. And she did the thing that you want to do if you moderate any kind of forum. And that is basically stay out of the way. Stay out of the way. Keep the thing between the ditches and stay out of the way. Wallace sometimes jumped in, and now in fairness to Chris Wallace in this regard, she had the chance to learn from what he did wrong, which was most things that night. In fact, the first thing he said when he came on television is he wishes he would have had the chance to have the same rules. Shut up. But she was she was good. She was very, very, you know, listen, if you go by what people said on social media, she was the winner of last evening's debate. But anyway, enough gushing about the moderator. And like I said, I think most of you will agree she was good. She was fair. She kept it about the issues, both of the candidates. And they showed a lot more respect to the process, both the president and the former vice president and how they handled it. But I just think she kept it from becoming 
the clown show it was in debate number one. And I'm going to tell you, and we'll get into where I thought everything went because I want to play for you a list of highlights from the debate. So if you did not watch the debate in the next segment, you will get basically the full run of the highlights and the things that mattered the most in the debate. I'll tell you this, last evening was pretty much about anybody in the middle who's on the fence. I think the vast majority of people have already decided who they're voting for on November 3rd. And there are some people who right now they don't know for whatever reason where they will go, which is the way elections often run. So people got to see issues discussed last evening that I think largely will relate to the American public. There were discussions about COVID-19, of course, discussions about national security and the economy and health care. Right. We didn't get into a lot of the other stuff that's out there. There was something that broke yesterday about former Vice President Biden and maybe his ties to China and something involving his son that broke literally within an hour and a half of the debate starting. And that didn't come up last night. Well, it didn't come up from the moderator's perspective last night, but it, it still didn't take away from what was a fiery 90 minutes between these two men who hope to be commander in chief of this great nation on January 1 of 2021. So let's give you your debate cheat sheet if you didn't get to watch it and then give you a recap if you did. That's what I'm here for, to help you out. Looking out for you. Stay right there. The only interactive podcast in the capital city that lets you help solve a crime. There was a shooting. Okay, is someone shot? Yes, someone is shot. The Crime Stoppers Podcast with Clay Young. Just some suspicious people running through the parking lot before. Real stories. It was my first love. Real crimes. Real people. Real justice. The Crime Stoppers Podcast with Clay Young. Exclusively at podcast225.com. Expecting mothers and fathers? Family Rose Healthy Start Community Action Network wants you to stay healthy as we deal with the reality of COVID-19. Here are five tips to help you and your unborn baby. Keep prenatal visits to ensure good health of you and your baby. If you need help, Family Road Healthy Start has case managers who provide one-on-one support and is enrolling expecting mothers and fathers now. Stay safe by washing your hands before or after any encounter. You, your family, and children should wear masks in public. Pregnant moms, stay home if possible. If not, limit all outings and keep any additional family members, such as your children, home. Stay informed by getting all current information on COVID-19 from trusted resources. And finally, stay prepared in the event you may develop symptoms or test positive for the coronavirus. For additional information, visit womans.org. To enroll in Family Road Healthy Start, call 201-8888 and give your baby and family a healthy start. We'll get through this together. This is Podcast225.com and The Clay Young Show. All right. You know, I heard from a lot of people last night about the debate. I got a bunch of text messages from people asking me, what did you think about it? How's it going? And then I, I was able to get from them that they weren't watching it. A lot of people had things going on and some people bailed on it because of how the first debate went. But I think by and large, if if you wanted to have something substantive to see, last night was it. It was a really good, I thought, an exchange and it got fiery from time to time. But for the most part, it was it was I thought it was good. And so got some highlights from last evening debate, last last evening's debate. And 
uh, the job done by Kristen Welker to set this up. I've already talked about, but I don't regret having sat and watched it. And I think that most of you who, who, who watched it as well, enjoyed what you saw. I got fiery at times, frustrating at times, but Hey, it's a debate. That's kind of the way it happens. So let's get into the highlights of what took place last evening. 2.2 million people modeled out were expected to die. We closed up the greatest economy in the world in order to fight this horrible disease that came from China. It's a worldwide pandemic. It's all over the world. You see the spikes in Europe and many other places right now. Uh, If you notice, the mortality rate is down 85%. We have a vaccine that's coming. It's ready. It's going to be announced within weeks, and it's going to be delivered. We have uh, Operation Warp Speed, which is the military is going to distribute the vaccine. I can tell you from personal experience that uh, I was in the hospital. I had it, and I got better. And I will tell you that uh, I had something that they gave me, a therapeutic, I guess they would call it. Some people could say it was a cure. But uh, I was in for a short period of time, and I got better very fast, or I wouldn't be here tonight. And now they say I'm immune. Whether it's four months or a lifetime, nobody's been able to say that. But I'm immune. 220,000 Americans dead. If you hear nothing else I say tonight, hear this. Anyone who's responsible for not taking control, in fact, not saying I'm, I take no responsibility initially, anyone who's responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States of America. We're in a situation where there are a thousand deaths a day now, a thousand deaths a day, and there are over 70,000 new cases per day. Compared to what's going on in Europe, As the New England Medical Journal said, they're starting from a very low rate. We're starting from a very high rate. The expectation is we'll have another 200,000 Americans dead between now and the end of the year. He did virtually nothing. And then he gets out of the hospital and he talks about, don't worry, it's all going to be over soon. Come on. There's not another serious scientist in the world who thinks it's going to be over soon. President Trump, your reaction? I say over soon. I say we're learning to live with it. We have no choice. We can't lock ourselves up in a basement like Joe does. He has the, <laughs> he has the ability to lock himself up. I don't know. He's obviously made a lot of money someplace. He says that we're, uh, you know, we're learning to live with it. People are learning to die with it. You folks home will have an empty chair at the kitchen table this morning. That man or wife going to bed tonight and reaching over to try to touch their out of habit where their wife or husband was is gone. Learning to live with it. Come on. We're dying with it. And you say, I take no responsibility. Let me talk about your two. Excuse me. I take, full, re- I take full responsibility. It's not my fault that it came here. It's China's fault. And you know what? It's not Joe's fault that it came here either. It's China's fault. They kept it from going into the rest of China for the most part, but they didn't keep it from coming out to the world, including Europe and ourselves. People are losing their jobs. They're committing suicide. There's depression, alcohol, drugs at a level that nobody's ever seen before. There's abuse, tremendous abuse. We have to open our country. You know, I've said it often. The cure cannot be worse than the problem itself. And that's what's happening. And he wants to close down. He'll close down the country if one person in our in our massive bureaucracy says we should close it down. And look at the states that are having such a spike in the coronavirus. They're the red states. 
They're the states in the Midwest. They're the states in the upper Midwest. That's where the spike is occurring significantly. But they're all Americans. They're all Americans. I get treated very badly by the IRS, very unfairly. So before we go on to that, where the president talks about the IRS and his tax returns and, and this subject that's, that's come up a lot since he has been elected, you just heard a sampling of the discussion about COVID-19 where, and where the nation is and how people have reacted. Now, listen, you can make up your own mind about where you stand about that and who you think has the better idea about it. I'm not interested in, in telling you what to think, but I, I will tell you what I think. I think from the president's perspective yesterday, he has been all over the place with it's getting worse or it's getting better. But I think he where he is strong is when he says people do want to open the economy up. And I get it that some people don't feel that way. But let me tell you something. I know a lot of business owners who are on the brink of closing their business. I know some people who have who have lost their business, who are no fan of President Trump. But their reality is they're not making money and they're laying people off. And let me tell you, when you when you know, when you talk to someone who has had to fire people, not necessarily because the business plan or the model or what they're doing isn't successful. It is because of these outside circumstances. And, you know, you're putting people on the street. It's a hard thing to deal with. I just had that conversation with a friend of mine. And so I do think the president is right that people want to open up. They want to at least get back to work in some capacity. On the other side, the vice president is not wrong about talking about the severity of this virus. And there are people who will say, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal. I mean, many of us have either lost someone or know some people who have lost someone. So you can't take for granted what this is. I'm not going to get into the science behind this because I'm not a scientist or a medical doctor. My personal perspective is this is a big deal. However, the other side of what it's doing to the economy is a big deal. And that can have lost a last long lasting, easy for me to say, long lasting effects on where we go from here. But I say, again, the president's best and most coherent addressing of this issue was then and what he said with that. So now on to the next area. But we had a deal all done. As soon as we're completed with the deal, I want to release it. But I have paid millions and millions of dollars, and I, it's worse than paying. I paid in advance. It's called prepaying your taxes. Okay. I paid in advance. Why did he, he's been saying this for four years? Show us. Just show us. Stop playing around. You've been saying for four Everybody years you're going to release your taxes. Nobody knows it, Mr. President. What they do okay. know is you're not paying your taxes. I guarantee you, if I spent one million on you, Joe, I could find plenty wrong because right. the kind of things that you've done and the kind of monies that your family has taken. I mean, your brother made money in Iraq, me- millions of dollars. Your other bre- brother made a fortune. And it's all through you, Joe. And they say you get some of it. He doesn't want to talk about the, the, the substantive issues. It's not about his family and my family. It's about your family. And your family's hurting badly. If you're making less than, if you're a middle-class family, you're getting hurt badly right now. That's a typical political statement. Let's get off this China thing. And then he looks, the family, around the table, everything. Just a typical politician when I see that. Let's talk about North Korea. I'm not a typical politician. That's why I got elected. I never had to tell my daughter, if she's pulled over, make sure. So they're about to get into the issue of race, which I thought was interesting. The thing that you just heard about was the president's tax returns. I'll be honest with you. 
I don't care about that. I think it's a it's a useless debate point that is some kind of partisan thing that happens that I think is useless. But then again, I felt the same way about the birth certificate thing with President Obama. Never cared about it. Never cared about it. Had been here all that time, had gone to school here, had been elected to office in Chicago, had been elected to the U.S. Senate, and then this pops up. I was like, why are we talking about his birth certificate? And I feel the same way about these tax returns. I think it's, it's, it's one of those superfluous arguments that are made in politics just to get people riled up, but is all about nothing. It's all about nothing. And so that's all I'll say about that. Now, on to this issue of race. Make sure she puts, for a traffic stop, put both hands on top of the wheel and don't reach for the glove box because someone may shoot you. But a black parent, no matter how wealthy or how poor they are, has to teach their child when you're walking down the street don't have a hoodie on when you go across the street, making sure that you, in fact, if you get pulled over, just yes, sir, no, sir, hands on top of the wheel, because you are, in fact, the victim, whether you're a person making 300000 child of a $300,000 a year person or someone who's on, on, on food stamps. The fact of the matter is there is institutional racism in America. We've always constantly been moving the needle further and further to inclusion not exclusion. This is the first president to come along and says, that's the end of that. We're not going to do that anymore. Nobody has done more for the black community than Donald Trump. And if you look, with the exception of Abraham Lincoln, possible exception, but the exception of Abraham Lincoln, nobody has done what I've done. Criminal justice reform, Obama and Joe didn't do it. I don't even think they tried because they had no chance at doing it. And the first time I ever heard of Black Lives Matter, they were chanting pigs in a blanket, talking about police. Pigs, pigs, talking about our police. Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. I said, that's a horrible thing. As far as uh, my relationships with all people, I think I have great relationships with all people. I am the least racist person in this room. Well, would you close down the other way? I would tra- okay. Oof. So on the issue of race, a lot of what Joe Biden said in his answer about the realities that black parents often have to give their children, particularly their sons, is the truth. It's not a political truth. It's a truth in life that there are still people out there who use their authority and their power to discriminate the reality of being in some places and being pulled over and what you know you have to do is different depending on who you are and where you are I don't think that's a debatable point. And if it is, I'm sorry that we may disagree, but that's where I am. I do think that this country is trying hard to push more towards inclusion. And I think all people are pushing forward, black and white. They want to see it. I think the majority of people don't get enough credit for how hard they work to really make things better. I think we spend way too much time talking about those who contribute to the division. 
I know I know so many people here in my town who say all kinds of crap and who spew all kinds of nonsense. And I just try to make myself not hold on to thoughts about them in the course of a regular day because I know how miserable they really have to be. I know how awful they must be living with themselves. So why would I contribute any of my energy or the time the good Lord gives me on this planet to them? I feel the same way about racists and bigots. I try to make myself remember that the majority of people don't fall into that category. And so when Biden says those things, it will resonate with lots of people. And quite frankly, you're going to find Republicans who agree with the sentiment that he uttered there. However, on the other side with the president, the president does have a list of things that he can point to that have been substantive accomplishments on his part. Prison reform. He talked extensively yesterday about the commitment to HBCUs. He talked about the unemployment rate in African-American and Hispanic communities. Those are facts. He talked about the rate of growth for African-American businesses and how they have done well since he has been in office. That is a fact where the president runs into trouble so many times is he gets into rhetorical jail. He says things, puts things out. And it ends up becoming either misconstrued or heard the way intended, depending on who the hearer is. And that gives him a problem. And so depending on what perspective you brought to that portion of the conversation, you probably didn't hear much that changed your mind. I think one of the more indicting things that that Joe Biden took on last night before we get to this thing that is about that I'm about this part of this debate that I'm about to play for you is when the president kept saying you've been here for so long and these ideas that you have, why haven't you tried to implement them? Regardless of your perspective, that is not an unfair thing to say. Because we all know electeds who hang around for a long time and have no real accomplishments to hang on their years of service. But this discussion about race, and I will say this to you, and I think, I I hope, well, maybe you won't agree with me on it. This could have been a train wreck portion of this discussion. And it wasn't. And whether you would agree or disagree with either side, I'm glad we got into and out of this without this becoming something else. Now, I'll say this when the president relates to Black Lives Matter and the thing with police and law enforcement. All of you who listen to my show know that I am a pro-law enforcement person because I think the vast majority of people who work in law enforcement do so to serve the communities they represent and they live in and serve in. I also believe the same could be said about inner city communities where people are cast into a category that's negative when the vast majority of people who live there are not criminals. But the vast majority who live there deal with criminal activity that other neighborhoods really never see. And so the political position on groups and, and, and all of this, I'm, I'm just not going to get into that. But what I hope is that this ability to address and help both inner city communities and support law enforcement don't continue to be stifled by politics. 
In other words, I can't go out and do something in the inner city community because it makes it look like I'm anti-police or I can't go and support. Uh, I can't go back to blue because then that looks like I support rogue cops and I don't support inner city communities. Y'all realize how stupid that sounds. But. I'll leave it at that. Now this transition from the oil industry. Yes. Oh, I will that's transition. A big that, it is a big statement yeah, that's that's because just, that I would stop. Good. Why would you do that? Because. The oil industry pollutes significantly. Oh, I see. Here's the deal. But That's you can't a big do statement. That. Well, if you let me finish the statement, because it has to be replaced by renewable energy over time, over time. And I'd stop giving to the oil industry. I'd stop giving them federal subsidies. You won't give federal subsidies to the to the gas. Excuse me, to the to uh, solar and wind. Yeah. Why are we giving it to oil industry? We actually do All give right. it to solar and wind. We and that's maybe the biggest question. statement in terms of business. That's the biggest statement. Okay. Because basically what he's saying question. is he is Mr. going President. to destroy the oil industry. We have to make a country. So I cannot believe that that part was planned by the Biden campaign. Because I can't imagine it plays well with the oil industry, particularly, and he named Texas or the president named Texas and Pennsylvania saying, do you hear that? I suspect the vice president's campaign and his team will walk that back some and or at least try to recalibrate what that means, because shutting down the oil industry, while there are people who want us to move to renewables and want us to move to more you know, clean and environmentally friendly ways of living our lives. And I think we, we can all agree that that's, that's preferable. However, getting there is not an overnight thing and saying you're going to shut down industries that employ thousands of people, particularly when the pre, when, when vice president Biden by a lot of numbers was going into Texas, having kind of a puncher's chance of doing something a Democrat hadn't done in Texas in a long time. But when that, that was, I was surprised that he said that. And I don't think that played well for him. And so if they're not boots on the ground and video on television, trying to fix that, over the next 36 hours, that would be a huge mistake. It is probably already being edited together for a campaign ad for the president right now. I think he got off target on that one, and it didn't play well for him. Totally successful, as it was prior to the plague coming in from China. Now we're rebuilding it, and we're doing record Talking about numbers, 11.4 million jobs in a short period of time, etc. But I will tell you, go back. Before the plague came in, just before, I was getting calls from people that were not normally people that would call me. They wanted to get together. We had the best black unemployment numbers in the history of our country. Hispanic, women, Asian, people with diplomas, with no diplomas, MIT graduates, number one in the class. Everybody had the best numbers. And you know what? The other side wanted to get together. They wanted to unify. Success is going to bring us together. We are on the road to success, but I'm cutting taxes and he wants to raise everybody's taxes and he wants to put new regulations on everything. He will kill it. If he gets in, you will have a depression, the likes of which you've never seen. Your 401ks will go to hell and it'll be a very, very sad day for this country. I will say I'm an American president. I represent all of you, whether you voted for me or against me. And I'm going to make sure that you're represented 
I'm going to give you hope. We're going to move. We're going to choose science over fiction. We're going to choose hope over fear. We're going to choose to move forward because we have enormous opportunities, enormous opportunities to make things better. We can grow this economy. We can deal with the systemic racism. And at the same time, we can make sure that our economy is being run and moved and motivated by clean energy, creating millions of new jobs. And that's the fact. That's what we're going to do. And I'm going to say, as I said at the beginning, what is on the ballot here is the character of this country. Decency, honor, respect, treating people with dignity, making sure that everyone has an even chance. So you didn't hear the, the part about the Affordable Care Act. There wasn't a long discussion about it, except for President, uh, Vice President Biden saying to President Trump that he would support a public option for the Affordable Care Act. And obviously, and they didn't dwell on that very long. That, the, the back and forth over that you know, wasn't, wasn't there. The president talked about getting rid of the ACA and, and Vice President Biden supports it with the exception of that one nuance. I don't think you learned anything more about, about that. I mean, that's where they stand. They didn't talk about the Supreme Court nomination I would have loved to have heard them voice their their opinions on that. You know where the president stands because he nominated Judge Barrett. Love to hear where I would have loved to have heard where Vice President Biden stands on the process and some of the recent history and and some of the things that we've learned about judicial nominees being uh, done or nominations being done during an election year. But anyway, that's that's a snapshot of how the debate went. I thought it was a really good night for the president, unlike the first debate where I thought it, was a, it wasn't a good night for him. And I thought that in that debate, Joe Biden fired up his base and the vice president was able to build some momentum after that, mostly because of the jarring back and forth stuff between Chris Wallace and, and President Trump. But it was interesting. So now you know what took place last evening. Back to wrap up. Executone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Baton Rouge save money on their telecommunications for over 40 years. Executone will help businesses upgrade their phones and intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about local customer support. Doctors' offices, hospitals, schools, businesses, it doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executone to upgrade technology and save money. I have a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone and intercom technology while saving money. That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here and they believe in the value of customer service, baby. Don't take my word for it. Give them a call. 225-295-3500. That's 295-3500. Oh, look them up. ExecutoneLA.com. Executone of Louisiana. They still here and they're going to continue to give you great Service. Clay Young here with Charles Harvey with the Metropolitan Health Group. If someone has been in an accident or has suffered an injury and they need experienced medical treatment, 
they can come to Metro. Absolutely. That's what we're here for. We've been in business for over 30 years in Baton Rouge and Lafayette. We have licensed physicians mm-hmm. who've been practicing medicine for several years. They're here to get these people back on their road to recovery. If you've been in an accident, you can go today. You don't have to set an appointment. You can walk in and be seen. Absolutely. Call, have your attorney call us, get you in to see the doctor, same day appointments. Um, we cater to you. So if you've been in an accident or suffered an injury and you needed to see a doctor immediately, Immediately, you can call Metro and you can make that happen. Absolutely. So there you go. If you need a physician for physical therapy or some other medical issue, contact the folks at Metropolitan Health Group in Baton Rouge at 225-926-3343. That's 926-3343. The issues, the policies, the people. This is The Clay Young Show. Oh yeah, all of a sudden now the world knows who Fleetwood Mac is again. Please. It's a good story though. Dude got a truck out of it and I guess that's cool. Alright, there you go. A recap of the presidential debate. Hopefully that was helpful to you. You can email me your thoughts. Clay at podcast 225.com clay at podcast 225.com you can also follow me on twitter at clay young br on facebook clay young and on instagram clay underscore young br with that i'm gonna get out of here the elections almost here the lines around the block in cities all over america is really a good look people casting their vote getting out making their voices heard that's a good look Keep that fire. Keep that energy for November 3rd. And we'll be talking about that right before and maybe get John Kuvion in to give his thoughts on where he thinks everything is going to go. Anyway, you guys have a great one, and we'll catch you next time right here on The Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.